Morning and welcome to Beacon Church's latest uh, church on the sofa. It's great to have you join us. If this is your first time, you are absolutely welcome. I'm so glad you're able to find us. Maybe you were uh, introduced to this video or our Vimeo page via um, a friend. Uh, maybe you've stumbled across us via Google. However you've uh, come this way, it's great to have you with us. Uh, we pray you have a, a great time just uh, hearing more, learning more about the wonderful God who really does exist, really is involved and really has made a wonderful relationship with him very, very possible. Um, I trust all of us, uh, as of uh, by the end of this video, will be in a deeper place of intimacy and knowing him just that little bit more. Uh, in a moment, Ollie Mills is going to speak on uh, part nine, and in fact on chapter nine um, of Hebrews. Uh, really looking forward to hearing from him in just a moment. But first of all, just an encouragement. Um, lots is going on around us. We're now in lockdown part two, whatever that means. And even the goalposts within that are, are, are changing. Things are being added. You know, more people must shield and, and so on and so forth. Um, it can be quite exhausting trying to keep up and living in under the effects of it all. Um, what's happening on the world stage, even just trying to keep up with that or trying to avoid it, can be exhausting. There's a lot going on around us that is big stuff. And it can affect us in different ways, either complete indifference and you can get almost fatigued by a numbness or an anxiety that, that can feed that right, rightly or wrongly. Um, but it, this is how our human emotions can, can be affected by this kind of thing is what I'm trying to say. But just to encourage you, Lamentations chapter three, you've got the prophet Isaiah, uh, prophet Jeremiah, pardon me, who says um, he, he's, he's written these laments. They are a funeral dirge. It's literally what they are, a funeral dirge over the fall of Jerusalem. And he's in a darkened place and he's lamenting before the Lord. And in uh, chapter three, however, he turns it around. And this is what he says. Lamentations three, verse 22 into 23. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Uh, things change around us. Circumstances change around us. Our emotions can be a roller coaster ride. But, he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. When you woke up today, there's a bucket load of new mercies for you from your Father in heaven. Just know that um, when we can be getting anxious or our, our hearts can just feel groggy in this current season, um, we can let that define our day. Instead, what would be good to, we just need to allow to define our day is the fact that God's mercies for us are new every morning. He shows up every morning ahead of us. He never sleeps. As we wake up, stepping into his day, he's got bucket loads of mercy to get you through what's ahead of you. Let's enjoy him. Let's enjoy that. Let's enjoy receiving from his word in a moment as a fresh balm to our soul. Amen. Let me pray and then I'll hand over to Ollie. Father, we thank you and we celebrate you that you are a God who cares for his people. You bring all things together for our good. We celebrate that. These are promises that, that we cling to. We, we learned a couple of weeks ago, your promises are sure and steadfast. They're an anchor for the soul that we have in Jesus. We cling to you and we thank you that your word promises, your mercies on you every single morning. When I woke up today, I had a fresh load. And I thank you so much for that. something I can lean on. I can enjoy you and what is ahead of me, whatever comes my way, I can keep my, my head lifted to the horizon, knowing that you are bringing this all together for my and our good and for your glory. So help us as we hear from your word in a moment. 
Lift our eyes to Jesus, will you, we pray, and stir our hearts to worship, stir our hearts to glorify you, stir our hearts to tell the world all about you, to sing about you, because you deserve all of that and more. We love you so much. We're eager to know you more. Will you help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Over to Ollie. Thanks, Steve. Yes, so we are now on part nine of our Hebrew series. Um, we've spent the last few months going through the book of Hebrews and digging into it. It's, it is a fascinating book. Um, the series is titled Jesus is All, and that's really what the book does. It focuses a lot of attention on Jesus. When I first read the book of Hebrews, it seemed quite intimidating. There's a lot of, a lot of reference to Old Testament practices, and it felt quite, um, quite hard going, I guess. Um, chapter 9, which we're looking at today, is similar. It can be quite hard going. But each chapter it goes through and it's explaining things and it describes Jesus, it compares Jesus effectively to Old Testament things and, and shows how Jesus is so much bigger um, than lots of these things. So it compares Jesus to angels, um, to to Moses, to priests. If you remember Steve spoke about um, the high priest Melchizedek. Um, last week Mick took us through a chapter comparing the Old Covenant to the New One. Today's message, as I say, it's from Hebrews chapter 9. And yeah, it's one of those ones that can be a bit dry on first reading. And when I first started putting the sermon together, I was really looking at those details. And that's not a bad thing, looking at the details and working out what they mean and looking at the symbolic nature of them and that sort of thing. But you can lose the heart, I guess, of the story in doing that. So what I needed to do really was take a little step back and just just look at what was going on, what the message is that's being spoken about here. What's the tabernacle all about? Um, and how does that relate to me here in the 21st century? The tabernacle, you see, is, is, um, was given to the Jewish people after they'd been um, rescued from Egypt. They're in the wilderness, and God instructed Moses on, on this tabernacle, um, which was a tent that they would use for worship and being close to God. It was a way that God could be close to the people as well. Um, later on, they had a temple as well, you know, instead of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the tent. Um, the tent temple, if you like, which they used when they were in the wilderness, and then when they were in there, when they were in Jerusalem, they built um, the temple. And as I say, it serves as a place where the Jewish people could be close to God, and God could be close to His people. The writer at the beginning describes it as an earthly place of holiness. That is a, a place on earth where God could come and meet His people. Now, this only really makes sense when you consider why God might want to meet with his people. And to understand that, we need to go right back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, hopefully that's not news to you. If it is, well, you're very welcome here. We're glad you're here and exploring this sort of thing. Um, all of us as Christians, we need to grapple with that, that God is, God is the creator of the universe. And that's how the Bible starts. Um, there's a, um, an email address at the end of the video. If you've got more questions about that sort of thing, you want to explore it more, please send an email there. It'll go to the leaders of the church and they can help you and um, just help you grow in your faith and understand what the Christian faith is all about. Um, otherwise, if you, if you were invited here by someone, maybe they can give you some help. But you're very welcome anyway. So God creates the heaven and heavens and the earth. We skip on a few verses. God has completed his creation. He rests. 
the Bible goes on to describe this incredible relationship between God and his people, as Adam and Eve. It's not the relationship of um, equality. God is God. He is very much in charge. But he's in this close and ongoing fellowship with Adam and Eve. There's this beautiful phrase in Genesis um, chapter 3, verse 8, where God is walking in the cool of the day, calling out to Adam and Eve. As we know, Adam and Eve had been tempted and sin had entered the Garden of Eden. That sin causes this um, a divide, a rift between man and God. God is holy and he can't be with sinners. Adam and Eve are, are cast out of the garden and that close ongoing fellowship that we just looked at, that ends. Now, we know that God doesn't leave it there. He knows how to fix the problem, and of course he sets about his plan. That's Jesus. But first things first, let's have a look at the first part of Hebrews chapter 9 and see if we can spot anything of God's plan in there. The first five verses give us a brief description of the tabernacle, that earthly place of holiness. I won't read through them, but um, you can read through it um, later on, or if you want to really study it, then it's um, in... Lots of details of it in Exodus chapter 25 onwards, if you wanted to go and have a look. Let's have a look at this video. Hopefully it will help you understand what the tabernacle looked like. You can see it here in the wilderness. And um, you see the, the outer perimeter there and then the tent inside. So as we go in through here, we'll see where the priests went. You can see where these sacrifices are made, where they're burnt, um, to give burnt offerings to God. And all of this, like I say, is described in Exodus. You can see what this is for. There's a fount there which is for washing, so that when you enter the tent, which we see here, you're, you're clean. There's a cleaning that goes on. Here we can see the holy place. So this is where the priests go inside that tent. Um, again, there's some more things here that are very symbolic. Um, but we won't worry about the details here. If you look in the background there, you can see a tent. That's a the, 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 sorry, a curtain, the curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies, the most holy place. And that's where we're in now. This is where the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the stone tablets and other things are in there, the cherubim. Again, that is the holy of holies. Hopefully that video just helps you sort of picture it in your mind, sort of, you know, what the different bits. You've got the, the outer bit, then you've got the, the inside that tent area, you've got the, the holy place and the most holy place, the holy of holies. Um, so if you picture that, this next part is now talking about what's going on there. So from um, chapter 9, verse 6 to 10, we'll read. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. But into the second section, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened, as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshipper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. The first point I'd like to look at is the separation. There are the two sections, the holy place 
and behind that next curtain, the most holy place. If you notice, it's only the priests who can enter the holy place. These are the Levites, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, they're the ones who God has set aside for that important role. It means that the other 11 tribes can't even enter the holy place. Um, they can come to sort of the outside area, but they, they can't come in. Um, it says in the Bible, if they come too close, they'll die. I mean, that's how serious it is. So it's the Levites who can do that. And they're described here as going regularly into the holy place um, so that they can do their duties, they can perform their duties. Now, there's all sorts of reasons someone would be required to make a sacrifice. Um, like I say, these can be found in the Old Testament, in particular the third book of the Bible, uh, Leviticus, the, the beginning there, the first of three or four um, chapters. You can read about all the different reasons someone might need to go and make a sacrifice and what that sacrifice should be. The Levites obviously would would, would have to know those and would have to um, help sort of administer that, if you like. Now, behind the curtain, there's another area called the Holy of Holies. That's the most holy place. Um, it's described here in verse 7 as somewhere only the high priest can go once a year and not without making a blood sacrifice. Now, this is where the high priest will actually be able to, to meet with God. Let's just reflect on that journey then that we've, we've just sort of gone on. So Adam and Eve walking in the Garden of Eden with God in that close, um, that close fellowship with God. And we think how far man has fallen to this where only one person out of the whole nation of Israel can meet with God. And, and even then only once a year and only then once made, making a blood sacrifice. I realise we've we've barely touched on some of the the details described here. Um, there's lots of details there about golden urns and Aaron's staff. Um, if you want to look into those, like I say, they're described in great detail in Exodus um, from chapter 25 onwards. It's quite fascinating stuff. Can be hard going to read, but it does describe a lot of the details there, even to the, the point of describing sort of the man who um, God had had um, gifted to be able to make um, some of these creations. A gift of skill, I think God describes it, that this person's been given from God to make some of the, the cherubim that we saw, for example. Let's not look at the details though, let's just um, stick to the main message. Man has fallen a long way from God's creation. <clears throat> and it is, or at least was, very difficult to have anything close to a relationship with him. But our God's a gracious and loving God towards us. He's got this awesome rescue plan to restore us into that relationship that Adam and Eve had. That plan was so awesome, it didn't involve us having to do anything, unlike the Levites being hard at work here under that first covenant. God's plan involves him coming to earth. Think about what we've just read. The Levites were hard at work in order to have just one day a year with God. There's nothing that we can do to, to restore that relationship. That it's all that work just for one day. Um, all those rules to follow, all those religious practices they have to follow to have their one day. It's almost like a process they have to go through in order to meet with God. Um, I mean, as I record this, the, the um, US presidential election is still unfolding. The votes are being counted. And it's a bit unsure as to who's won at the moment. There's, you know, depending on which side you support, you might see it a different way. 
Um, but there's a process. There's a process of voting, there's a process of counting, there might be legal processes to go through, but there is a process that has to go through in order for the, the president to be decided. It's not for, for me, for example, if I decided, well, I, I'm going to be president, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to America, I'm going to, I'm going to climb into the White House and I'm going to declare myself president. I'm going to break the, the process that's in place. Um, well, a bit like what would happen if people approached the tabernacle, I think I'd, I'd be killed, wouldn't I? I probably wouldn't even make it over the fence to the White House before getting shot by one of the guards. Um, you just can't do that. You have to follow the process. And that's what was going on here with the Levites. It's probably also an important time to just stop and reflect. Um, because it's God that restores us. Do you know that? Do you know that it's only God that can restore us? Do you know it in your heart? Do you ever find yourself falling into the, that trap of trying to be the saviour? Do you find yourself trying to solve all the problems or trying to have all the answers, trying to be the hero? Like the Levites, we do have work to do. We're called to love our neighbours, we're called to share the gospel, we're called to be salt and light in this world. And like the Levites, no matter how good or dedicated we might be at that work, it can't save us. And it can't save others. Only God can do that. Let's come back to the chapter then. So the next two verses, verse 11 and 12. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So Jesus, the Son of God, arrives. He's described here as the high priest of the good things that have come. That is the, the new covenant. There were high priests before Jesus. These were of man and of the old covenant. What Jesus came to do would mean him performing that role of high priest. He would enter the holy place, the holy of holies. He'd enter the presence of God the Father, making a sacrifice for the sins of man. As with the Old Testament, forgiveness would be through blood. But there's two important differences noted here in verse 12. Firstly, the blood would not be of goats or calves, but it would be his blood. Here is Jesus, fully man and fully God, perfect, sacrificing his blood for the forgiveness of man. And the second difference to look at here is the timescale of that forgiveness. In the Old Testament, this would only be for a day. But here we read that the sacrifice Jesus made was for our eternal redemption. Let's just dwell on that phrase, eternal redemption. It means the sacrifice Jesus made stretches into eternity, right back to the beginning of time, back to when sin first entered the earth. And it stretches forward to the end of time. That means the sins we have committed some 2,000 years after Jesus, are covered with his blood. The sins that Adam and Eve committed in the garden are covered with Jesus's blood. The sins that we haven't even yet committed 
are covered with that blood. That's the eternal nature of his sacrifice. Hopefully that is quite freeing for you. If you're, if you're someone who feels guilty or feels dwells on those sinful things within us, hopefully that feels freeing and releasing for you, that you don't need to dwell on that. Jesus doesn't need to make the sacrifice yearly, like in the Old Covenant. If you think of the Levites busy all the time dealing with the sacrifices being made, think of the work and demands on those priests. Jesus speaks to that busyness, that striving that, that man had to do to get their special day of atonement. He speaks into that with his dying words. It is done. It is done. When he says this, he means it. The sacrifice has been made. The blood covers all sin. Man can now be restored into that relationship with God, that relationship we read about in Genesis. That's where we are restored to by the covering of, of our sin. Have a look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. This is the moment that Jesus dies. The sacrifice has been made. It says here, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That curtain is the thing that separates us from the most holy place. Jesus has made a way for mankind to be reconciled with God. There's no longer a curtain separating us. Now, I appreciate we've had a bit of a whistle-stop tour of this chapter, and by all means, go back and read through it again in light of what we've looked at. Don't be put off by the details surrounding the, the layout of the tabernacle. Um, those things aren't really important now. They're good to understand, they're good to, to read about, to understand from an Old Testament perspective. But here in 2020, those things are not um, important to us. Instead, look at how God, who so loved the world, he sent his only son. Look at that and realise that we can be free. See, this chapter is full of um, a treasure trove of gospel gems and we shouldn't grow tired of remembering what Jesus has done for us. We no longer have to work hard in order to be close to God as in the old covenant. Instead we can work for God in the full knowledge of the freedom we have already received through Jesus. It's his perfect sacrifice that has given that to us. Let's have a look at on that last um, verse in the chapter because it ends on a really important promise. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. The sin has been dealt with. Remember, it is done. Some of the final words that Jesus gave to his disciples are recorded in Matthew 28. This is after giving them the Great Commission. He's told them to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And then he goes on to say, this is Jesus speaking. I am with you even to the end of the earth. We can be reconciled with God because of that promise. Jesus is with us. Amen. Fabulous stuff, Ollie. Well done, mate. Thank you so much. Yes, Jesus has dealt with our sins once and for all. 
he stepped into the Holy of Holies and left the way open. That curtain is torn and we get to step in behind him through the work that he has done. There's no more striving to earn anything from God, which will always fail, will always prove to be, <laughs> be a ridiculous uh, course to even attempt to take anyway, but we've all done that. But Jesus has earned that 24-7 access for us. It's right here, right now. Let's enjoy him. There are some song links available in the Vimeo page um, below this video or on Zoom. We're going to sing together, pray together, worship together. Let's enjoy him. The fact that even right now we get to stand in the Holy of Holies, the holiest place where we, we, should, we should die for even attempting it of our own efforts. And yet Jesus is, I'm in. You're in. Join me. Let's enjoy his presence. Let's know him more. Let's celebrate him. Have a great week.